Wow. Well, good morning, church. It is good to see you in the room. It is good to see you online. You see me, I don't see you, but we know that you are there. It's a big day. It's a new month. It's a new series. And we want to start today. I want to introduce you uh, to somebody. His name is Kevin. And uh, Kevin was introduced to uh, Relentless Church through um, online church and through Phil Maycheck. And Phil has been with us, one of the first guys we baptized years ago. And Phil on the screen uh, is with Kevin. This happened yesterday. So we uh, went to Raf's backyard. If you ever wondered what Raf's backyard looks like, there it is. And uh, we're good to see that right there. Beautiful stuff. It's a, it's a big deal. I want you to hear Kevin's story. Kevin Cornelio, his wife Amanda, um, are with us today, and, and Kevin uh, went to University of Connecticut uh, with Phil. That's where the relationship started, and uh, through the years, as God worked on Phil's life, uh, allowed Phil access into, uh, they had always, you know, talked about things and deep things and things of God, and um, as God worked on Phil, um, Phil was there, just some really cool um, supernatural stories of how uh, God worked in their relationship to the point um, where God was working on Kevin and Kevin called Phil and um, just started being drawn to this Jesus that, that he wasn't so sure about. Um, and he made a decision, this decision, um, uh, if you remember, when the pandemic started, my prayer was only this. It was a very limited, narrow, selfish prayer. God, just don't take Easter, right? We, we don't mind doing a few weeks online, but we got to be in the room on Easter, right? Little did I know. So we ended up kind of shifting focus and trusting God. And, and Seth Helverg, our worship director, did an incredible job with um, video and this whole presentation. If you remember Easter 2020, part of it was at the cemetery, part of it was at our theater where we used to meet. And we offered an invitation uh, of the gospel that Easter Sunday 2020. And somewhere in New Jersey, um, Kevin uh, answered that call and stepped into that and responded and reached out and said, I want to do this and, and follow him. And um, in the last year and a half, uh, he's been, you know, working and figuring out uh, a church up there and all that, but he wanted, to, uh, he wanted to be baptized here, and it just happened that he and his wife Amanda were in town this weekend, so we found a pool, and uh, Phil dunked him uh, yesterday, and we just want to welcome y'all. Thank you for being with us today. And, and thank you for letting us share in your story, and, and we talked about it this morning. When we look into that camera and say, we're glad you're here, like, I'm always going to think about Kevin, right? We just have no idea what God's doing in the room and now, you know, in, in other countries like New Jersey, right? It's a complete, <laughs> you just don't know what God is up to. We're so thankful for that. Today we start, speaking of other countries, we, we start a series called Exchange Rate. Um, and I, we're not even going to tell you what it is. Like, don't, don't just clear your mind of what it might be. But if you, let's make sure we understand that phrase first. Right, so if you go to another country today, if I get on a plane and I fly somewhere in Europe, right, and, and, I'm, and I get off the plane somewhere in the airport or a bank, I'm going to give them 100 bucks and I'm going to say, I, I, want, I need euros, right? And depending on the exchange rate, they're going to give me some euros back. You know, maybe I think I checked this week, it's 116 euros that I would get for my 100 American dollars, right? Because I got to spend euros over there. But then let's say, Somebody just blesses me and says, like, you know what? You're not paying for nothing, right? I got you. So then I fly back next week, and I come to the airport, and I go back to the place, and I say, I, I'm, I'm going to give you these 116 euros, and I want my 100 bucks back, right? But that's not how it works, 
because the exchange rate changes every day, every hour, right? So I, I might get $95, I might get $103. The exchange rate, what a dollar is worth compared to a euro, it's constantly in flux. So the exchange rate is just a simple financial term of what this dollar currency is worth compared to this and what it exchanges for. We're gonna jump into that phrase as we get into these next three weeks. And, and I wanna start just kind of the, the text, um, and these are words of Jesus that, that are going to kind of take us where we're going. And I just want to remind us, me and you and you, our online crew, I want to remind us what we believe about Scripture, right? I see one of the beauties of, of this season in our church um, is, is some of, so I see young people here today, like school age, middle school, high school, college age. Um, God has brought us and blessed us lately with some late 20s, you know, early 30s, that, that youth movement, and all the way up to we could play the game and find out the oldest person in the room. We won't do that. Uh, we're not just a multi-ethnic church. We're a multi-generational church. And what we believe, no matter where you are, what you understand, or where you're coming from, is that Scripture is not a book, that it's living and active, that there's a real God that wants to interact with you. And if you come here and just like, get what's in my brain, like that's a waste of a Sunday morning, right? But, but that God wants to touch your heart, whether you believe in him, follow him yet, whether you've been following him for a while, whether you were baptized yesterday in a pool, like that God has something to say to you and it's gonna be through his word. It's not man that came up with this thing about God. We believe that scripture is God's word through man. And he wants to speak to your heart on a, on a sensitive subject maybe for some, but, but he wants to talk to you. Like, is that crazy? God wants to love you up and, and get into your heart and your mind and stuff. I don't know what he's about to do wherever you're at online or in this room, but I just believe that there's power when we just stop. And we look at the words this morning of Jesus. And this is a, this is a section in one of his you know, broader, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, but we're just going to look at Three verses that are kind of lay the, the groundwork for this series. Matthew 6, verse 19 says, Jesus said, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure. Lay up. Treasure. Not it sounds like it's a choice, either on earth or on, in heaven. And Jesus is saying, no, lay up treasure in heaven. And it doesn't sound like a both and. It sounds like an either or. It's sounding like you've got to trade or exchange something for something. I use that word trade. And as you know, um, we, we like to talk about sports. And, and God is pro sports. He invented them. He created them. Um, he likes, I think, Olympics. Like, I didn't, there's sports I don't even know. Like, there's no way that's a sport. No, it is. It's a real sport. Um, but as you know, as we've talked about before, this isn't in Scripture, but if you study the Greek, that God's favorite sport is basketball, right? So if you didn't know that. So uh, this will be very few of you, and that's okay. This is just a little bit of a, a trivia. I'm going to test you in the back and see how... This is not a super known, but I just want to put a guy on the screen, and if you know who this is, you shout his name out. Tell me if you know who that is. I love my church. All right? That, 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 is, that was much quicker and better than, than I thought it would be. That is Vladi Divots. All right, so if you watch basketball in the 90s, you might have seen him. He wasn't a great player. He became a GM. He was a good player. He wasn't a great player. Like you, 
in the general public, you walk around with that, like, jersey or whatever, people will be like, I don't know what that is, right? Vladi Divots. But when we talk about trades, we had the NBA draft this week, I got to think about Vladi because uh, Charlotte Hornets, 1996, uh, they had the 13th pick. And they said, you know what, we don't want any of these young, like back then you didn't have to, like you could come right out of high school. We don't want any of these young, we don't want that. We're going to trade this pick. We want Vladi Divots. That's what's going to take our franchise to the next level. So they traded the 13th pick in the 1996 draft. So they could get Vladi Divac. So they traded their pick to the Lakers, in which the Lakers then selected Kobe Bryant. (laughs) Now, you don't have to know basketball or like basketball, but you've heard of Kobe Bryant. If you don't know basketball, then you've not heard of Vladi Divac, right? And we can look back now, what, 25 years, and we can look at that picture. My goodness, look at his shorts, right? We can look at that picture. We think, why would you ever do that? Why would you ever, Charlotte, why would you ever take that guy when you could have had that guy, right? And it's easy to look back and people should be fired. People were fired for that decision, right? But that's like, it just doesn't make any sense. You would never do that now knowing what we know. That, right now, that is kind of the vibe of Jesus, right? It's someone exchange rate and laying up treasure. He's, he's, it's way deeper and better than sports. Like, why would you do that? We can take them off the screen, right? Because now it's Matthew 16, 26, where Jesus says, Hey, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can a man, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Right? As as much fun as I could, could have banging on the trade that should have never happened, Jesus has taken it way deeper of like, that's nothing compared to how easy it is in our culture, in our life, in our world. Why are you doing this? You're exchanging everything for nothing. Even if you get everything, what good is it? If in the process you lose your soul. Like I said, the, let's go back to Matthew 6, 19, the, it doesn't, it doesn't read like it's a both and, like lay up yourselves, tre- lay up treasure on earth and lay up treasure in heaven. It reads like it's a choice. You're laying up treasure. And then look how it ends. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? I, we, we plan these messages. We pray through them and we make a plan and a calendar of what we're going to preach on, trying to hit different things and go where God leads us. And I thought... I thought we were going to do a message series on language in July, and then I thought we'd come do a message series on money in August. That's what I thought. Then we got into the language and studying and praying through it. It wasn't a message out the mouth. It wasn't a message about language. It was a message about your heart because out, the, out of the, the heart, the mouth speaks. So then, okay, we, we got done with that. Raph brought the thunder last week, right? How, like that has stayed with me. I don't know if you've thought about this that this week. I hope you have like I have. Like I want to have prayer pains. Remember he was talking about that? That verse has been in my mind, which is the sign that a message was well preached. That, hey, let's my, let my conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Now, the life-changing taco stuff he's talking about, I don't know about. He got some of you to watch a Netflix documentary. I don't know about all that. But the other stuff, yes. So he ended the mouth series, which was really about the heart. Now we can kind of move on. But no, here we are in in the verse that God has brought us to, and it's about laying up treasure, right? We're going to get into finances. No. It's where your treasure is. There's your heart. I think God, 
I think God wants us to really focus on our hearts, Relentless Church, because we can't figure out a way to preach a series without it coming back to the same thing. And that, that gives me encouragement and comfort and confidence. Like God really is building his church. And he's, he seems to be giving us a theme and not just us. It's bigger than us, right? But for us specifically in these series, he just wants us to really be honest about our heart because our heart follows our treasure, right? I, I, I like it better if, if our heart just followed our mouth. I can say what my treasure is and that makes it true. Wouldn't that be good? Then you say it and it is that. That's simple. That's clean. But the problem with that is Jesus, he looked at the religious people of his day and he said, listen, you honor me with your lips. Your lips are dead on, but your hearts are far from me. So our, we can say it, right? And there's power. Like we, we just declared some beautiful truth in scripture, like in song. Like that's real. That counts. That's good. That does something in us. But we can't just say it and then say, well, that's where my treasure is like your, your, that's where my heart is. Your heart is going to be wherever your treasure is. That's how it works. You can say what you want. I can say what I want. Wherever my treasure is, my heart will follow. So, so we gotta, we gotta work on this. We gotta get some unity in our lives because let me talk about me. My heart, like my heart, I hate adultery. Right? I see the damage it does. You know, I've been pastoring for decades now. I just, I just see the damage that it does to families, to kids, to churches. I hate it. And I think my heart hates it. But sometimes I'll watch a show. And I'm not talking about a show that just deals with real life in a serious way. Like, I'm not talking about that. Sometimes I'll watch a show that glorifies adultery, like makes it look exciting and cool and experimental and normal, right? So I'm sending my heart mixed messages. Like I, I hate, I hate what the society is waking up to that's been going on a long time. I hate the, the degrading of of women, the minimizing of females. I hate that it's easy to find that history of doing that in the church. I hate some of the things that I said when I was a younger man and even pastor. I hate it. And I, and I love that Jesus wasn't behind, like he, he was not, that he was, was ahead of like the way he treated and talked about women is beautiful and standard setting. And we're slowly so that's my heart. But sometimes, sometimes I fill my head with music and lyrics that is degrading to women, that glorifies the minimizing of the dignity of a God-created woman. Now, that's just me. Maybe you can't get on board with none of that. But is there something where your heart, I, and I'm not lying, like my heart is what I just said. I'm, I'm against adultery. I'm against degrading of women. That's my heart. But sometimes I put stuff in me that is in conflict with where my heart is. And at the end of the day, your heart's going to go where your treasure is. So we got to get some unity 
in our life, right? We got to get stuff going in us that, we, that matches up with our heart. It's everyday decisions. You're going to make crazy decisions this week. In the next seven days, if God blesses us to be back in here again, you're going to make crazy decisions. They might seem small or everyday or just, no, they're huge. Every day's a chance. What's my treasure? What am I about? Where's my heart? And when, when he says treasure, what do you treasure? Lay up treasure in heaven. He's not just talking about not, you know, treasuring bad things. You can treasure something that's not a, like inherently sinful. You can treasure all kinds of things. And, and he's not talking about enjoying things, right? I treasure a lot of things, but he's talking about when he says treasure, lay up treasure, he's, he's talking big picture. Like, what are you really, what, what are you really going after, right? What's really at the top of wh- whatever, whatever you're chasing in life, that's your treasure, Right? And whatever that is, your heart's going to follow. Jackson, my oldest son, was, we were watching a, um, a sports documentary, uh, NFL um, Life, right? A football life, right? And we were watching one of my favorite, favorite athletes of all time, Emmett Smith. And I missed it. We were watching uh, just his story. And he's like, he set goals in high school, crazy goals. And they came to set goals in college and, and NFL. And Jackson's like, did you see that? And they just flashed it for a second. I was like, no, what are you talking about? He's like, they said something about Jesus. I was like, they didn't say anything about Jesus on the audio. He's like, no. So we rewound it. We froze it. And then I Googled it. Here's, here's what it, this was his goals one year when he was running all over everybody. And there's a, bunch of, there's a bunch of football goals. If you can't see this online, the number one at the top says, keep Jesus Christ number one in my life. All right now, they did an hour on this dude. They didn't want to, they didn't mention that part of the goal. But we screenshotted it. We got it now. You know. What, what is Like, honest, like, there's not a test. We're not going to have you stand up and say, Jesus is number one. No, the whole goal just this morning to set the pace for the set the stage for the next two weeks. Would you be so courageous to be honest if you made the list? What is number one? What's the most important thing in your life? That's your treasure. And some of you would have very, like, I've had this conversation with some of you. Your honest answer, the most important thing in my life, it's my family. Right? Who can get mad at that? Right? Jesus is pro-family, right? So if your family is number one in your life, isn't that a good thing? Like, I treasure my family, right? It's, and, it's, and it's great to treasure, but, but a family is the most important thing in my life? That means God isn't. And there's a God who gave you your family, who blessed you with your family. There's a God whose whole relentless story is that he came for you, not so he could be a tyrant or a God or a judge, and that's all, but he wants to be your father. Jesus, how do we pray? Start with this. My father who lives in heaven. He wants to be, yes, your creator, yes, the most powerful thing you ever heard of, but he also wants to be your father. And if he's your father and he's your creator and he's got a beautiful plan to rescue and adopt you through Jesus to give you life and purpose, then family, even as good as it is, if family is the number one thing, the scriptures would call, God would call that idolatry. Because anything that gets in your number one slot other than God is offensive to him. 
So would you begin to allow yourself to be honest? What are you really about? That's the question we're asking this morning. We're so good at compartmentalizing and like, well, I'm going to treasure. I got family. I got my job. I got this. I got relationships. And God, he gets a box, right? He's part of the pie, right? And that's not the deal. Like God is the pie, right? So we can't compartmentalize. We can treasure things in a way, but God is saying we're going to make something the most important thing. Something's going to be the most important thing in your life. If we, um, parents, let me ask you this. If you got grown kids or young kids, anywhere in between, uh, old enough to kind of talk and reason. So if we, if we um, and if you don't have kids, you know, if, if we'll, your best friends, your parents, same thing. If we pulled them and it was anonymous and you were never going to know what they said, we pulled them aside somewhere, like, listen, we're doing this series. They're never going to know your answer. We're just looking for an honest answer. Here's the question. What's the most important thing to your parents about your life? If your parents could only have one thing be true of you, what would it be? Like, what do you think? Your best friends, your parents, or if you are a parent, what do you think your kids would say? Man, if there's only one thing, the most important thing to my parents would be Right, because we can say, I'm good at that, right? I, uh, I'm a pastor, right? So I can play that card. Well, you know, right? My kids are in the room. Y'all know, right? I mean, it's Jesus, right? It's easy. But if, if you took them aside in a room and they knew that I wasn't going to know what they said, they might, they might say, Athletics, like, man, the most important thing to my dad because he's always honest. Here's what we do in my house. My kids worked hard, April, May, June. We kind of let them have July, like, you know, do whatever. You don't have to train. You don't have to do. It's up to you. Well, guess what? July's over. Amen? Right? So we're back at it. We got a plan. We got a program. We're running. We're lifting. Right? We really believe in the Jones house. And I, and I failed at this when I was their age. So it probably is some of that nasty backward, like reliving through them. Like the, the, winter, the winter when you're in the gym and there's people there, God willing, there's a crowd there and you're right there. Like what you can do in that moment directly goes back to the summer. It's the summer work that gets the winter fame and glory. Not that we're about fame and glory, we're about buckets, right? So it's a, the winter is connected to the summer and you can't just flip the switch the night before and like eat well and think you're gonna play well. It starts now. And I'm not backing off that. I believe everything I just said. But my intensity and my repetition sometimes could communicate Without saying it, it could communicate how you do on the court is the most important thing about life. If you didn't know, that's really bad parenting. And it may have nothing to do with sports for you. But I'm challenging you to ask that question in your head. If, if we did survey your kids or your friends or your roommates or your parents, what's the most, what do you think the most, what would they say? That's where Jesus has taken us. What you treasure, lay up treasure, meaning make the most important thing something that's bigger than here, something that matters in this life and the next. You might have seen this face a few times the last few weeks. 
um, unless you've just woke up from a long hibernation. This is Simone Biles. Um, everyone in gymnastics agrees that she is the GOAT, the best, the greatest of all time. And she's been all over the news, not just every day, but pretty much every hour. And it's been a great revelation of what our culture values. Right? We have a young lady who has succeeded in levels that almost no other athlete understands or knows. We have a young lady who is a sexual assault survivor, which some of you and some of us understand on a much deeper level than others. We have a young lady who battles depression, anxiety, mental health issues, and again, if you've never battled that, it's easy to go into that lane of, well, just, why don't they just like take something? Like If you don't know, you don't know. All of those things. And she's in a sport, like there's been such stupid things said this week of like comparing to other sports, basketball or football. When you lose focus, it's not the same in gymnastics when you're 20 feet in the air. It's not the same as throwing an interception, right? You can break your neck. It's happened. So mental health, sexual assault survivor, best it ever was, and a teammate, and, and she just does everything you'd want, everything I'd want my daughter to do, just humbly, and just set teammates up, and stay there, and cheer them on, and, and let other people like get medals and stuff, and, and not put your neck on the line, and then, and then I was just so proud of her, and then I just keep hearing this stuff of like people coming at her, and I'm like, that's just people being divisive, that's the media. Nobody on the planet is coming at this young hero. There's no chance. Then I Googled criticism, Simone Biles. What? <laughs> what? Like, we're coming after her? Like, it's real people with microphones and jobs <laughs> publicly saying she's a quitter and she's this. And it just proved in that, in that world we value performance over people. Right? Because the same people, they're saying this, this, and this. If she went and did what they wanted to do and she broke her neck, you know, where would they be? And we, in religion, and ch- we value performance over the person, and Jesus doesn't. Right? At 24 years old, she lived out what we preached in January. Your mental health matters. You've got to protect it at all costs. And it's cost her way more than it cost any of us. But she did what we preached in January, right? And I don't care about the world. I care about us. We just preached last week, let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. It just shows what's most important. There's a There's a narrative and there's a group and there's a division and people just jump in because what's most important to them is to get clicks or to win or to divide or whatever. That's not us. What we value is what Jesus values. And I have no doubt in my mind, I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus is applauding Simone Biles. And you know, just just a little side note, you know, like Jesus 
He pulls for certain teams. We've talked about that before. And we won't get into that. We won't get into that. We won't get into that. We, all we know from Scripture is that he would never pull for the devils. Like, we know that, right? He would never pull against a team that has a devil in their mascot. Outside of that, I won't speak to it. But he is, as we sang, the God of all nations. So don't, don't serve a Jesus that's standing up there with the American flag on him. He doesn't exist. He is for people. We are for people. We treasure. Here, here's how he said it, Matthew 13. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy... He goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, right? A little, little short verse in Matthew 13. When, he's, when you hear the kingdom of heaven, don't think about a place, right? The kingdom, we pray that uh, our father who lives in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. So the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is here through the church, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. In us. The kingdom is active. The kingdom is a rule and a reign of God. Things as they should be according to the will of God. It is happening. It is accelerating until one day it'll be complete and full, will be new heaven, new earth. So he's telling us what his kingdom is about, what his kingdom is like. In this short little verse, he says, here's what it's like. It's like a dude that goes to a field. Now, back in the day, there was no banks, right? So you didn't have a bank. So if you had something of value, you might just bury it on your property, right? Now, this is a made-up story. This didn't actually happen. Jesus isn't like, you know, advocating being uh, shrewd, or maybe is a little bit, but, but he's saying in this made-up story, here's the point. He's looking at this field and, and somehow he doesn't tell us. He comes across or he figures out or he trips on something. He digs it up. Oh my goodness, there's treasure in this field. Then he covers it back up so no one sees it. Then was it? Then he goes and sells everything. Then he buys the field. And his family and friends are like, dude, what? Like it, you, you way overshot. Like, why would you buy? Like, nobody wants that field. You sold everything you have. Now you have nothing except the field. Jesus says, that's what it's like. Joyfully, he sold everything. Why would he sell everything joyfully? Because he knew the treasure. With the field came the treasure. That's a big verse. We talk about that for weeks. On the front row today is my man, uh, Chad Dorr. There's eight of us that lived in a, in a quad, four rooms in a lobby um, in college, and and four of us, um, we're all tight, but four of us have been really tight for a long time. It's uh, Chad, uh, my friend Kelly, not my wife Kelly, but a, but a dude named Kelly Carmichael. Chad, my brother Chris, myself, and we have been in life and death and funerals and weddings and, um, for uh, some years now. And, and Chad, um, and we, we kind of, thank you, Kim Branch. Kim introduced uh, me uh, to Marco Polo, so she, get, we get, she gets commission every time we mention that app. Um, but it's a video chat. So the four of us, we call our group Snod Quad because that was the name of the dorm. Snodgrass, our basketball team was Snod Quad H. Um, so we, um, we started a Marco two years ago, just kind of getting back in each other's lives a little bit. And through that, we was like, we got to get together in person. Um, so we picked uh, Monday and Tuesday, August 2nd and 3rd, to have our Snod Quad reunion, my brother, Kelly Carmichael. And Chad was like, I got to come early because I got to be at Relentless Church. Because right, he's been with us from the beginning, supporting us. He lives in Louisville, uh, Kentucky. So um, he was like, yeah, come on. So he flew in last night. He didn't know I was going to tell this story. In college, we're all very different. In college, different teams, different likes. Well, Chad and his roommate, Kelly, they were fishermen, bass fishermen. Right, big bass fishermen, right? So I grew up in Winston-Salem, and I know there's fish there, but I never fished. Like, that wasn't my thing. So they were like 
passionate fishermen. So I just made fun of them constantly. I would learn the words and I would use them incorrectly on purpose. I still do today. I'll post about, hey, why don't you try a pawpaw? Maybe, maybe a flipping jig, like the, run that chartreuse little spinner on that. That'd be great. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But in college, they, would, they were so intense. They had a boat. They would enter bass fishing tournaments. And they conned us, I'm sorry, they talked us into paying the entry fee. They're like, hey, you guys pay the entry fee. We just want to fish. You get us in the tournament. Anything we win, we'll give back to y'all. So several of us went in together, I think like 20 bucks a piece to get to 60. So we would get them entry into the tournament, right? And crazy, no matter what happened, they always finished one place out of the money, right? <laughs> So if they were paying the top two, they finished third. If they were paying the top five, they finished sixth. And I'm not saying they were lying. I'm just saying that's what happened every single time until we were like, we're not, we're college students. We're not giving our money anymore. But, but it was an investment. We're willing to put this in to get something back. And then it was empty. And Chad, Kelly, and Chris, they're, they're all uh, one, you know, we're similar age. I was going to say we're the same age. That's not true. They're, uh, they're all 46, so they're in their late 40s. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 44. I'm in my early 40s, so we're kind of living different worlds there. But what's common, <laughs> there's a point, what's common at this age, and it's not just this age, young people, uh, people older than that, like you'll understand this, but there's something, there is something about 40s where you start to take stock of what is worth it. Like, what am I willing to invest? And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about time, energy. Some of you have been doing a job and you're just like, what am I, like, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life doing this. <laughs> There's something about that phase of taking stock. And I think Jesus wants that. And the question at the bottom of that is what's worth it? And Jesus says this, it's not a job, it's not a relationship, it's not a gift, it's not an athletics, it's not an academics, it's not, that there's actually a treasure, that there's something that if you taste it, nobody's got to talk you into it, there's something so good and so real, if you get a taste of this God who created you to know him and be his child and live in that, there's something so good that you would sell everything to buy a field because the treasure there is worth it. It's the treasure that doesn't disappoint. It's the treasure that doesn't betray. It's the treasure that never runs out. And it's real. And the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden, and a man found it. He went and joyfully sold everything so he could buy that field. Here, here's, here's what it is. Civil War. All right, I never knew this until the last couple of weeks. The Civil War, South and North. Uh, the South, the seceding, we're, they're going to be their own nation in their own mind. So they, they came up with their own currency. Did you know that? They had their own money. I didn't know this. Right? Slang, it wasn't, I don't know what they actually got. The slang for them was graybacks. Right? I'm going to show you one on the screen. This was, this was money that when you were in the South, right? So there was people allegiant to the North. There was people allegiant to the South. There was also people that just wanted to make money and they really didn't have allegiance either way. So they would travel South, North, back and forth. And they would have to exchange their United States or American dollars for these graybacks so they could buy and, and, and participate in, in, in commerce in the South. And then they would trade those graybacks back for dollars and just exchange them back and forth, especially 1861, 62, 63. As the war started to shift, as it became more and more obvious that the South was going to lose, what happened to the value of the Confederate currency. 
right, started to be worth less because if you lose this war, you're not going to be a nation and your money's going to be worthless. And at the very end, at the very end of the Civil War, graybacks were literally worth nothing. Like you couldn't get anything for them because they were just paper. Now, I would say they're worthless, but that's not true because today they actually go for a lot of money as a, you know, a uh, historical whatever, but that's not the point. The point is they were worthless at that time, so much so, so much so that the people that had them towards the end, before it was all the way over, but it was close to over, what did they do? They cashed all of them in. These aren't going to be worth anything in six months the way I think this is going to go. So instead of waiting till they're worth nothing, I'm going to get what I can. I'm going to get rid of every grayback Confederate currency I have so that I have something that's actually going to be value afterward. That exchange, that's the heart of Jesus, laying up treasure. We know this world ain't it. Why would we spend our time, our energy, our mental, everything we're doing to get something that is worthless in eternity? Do we need money? Yeah, we'll talk. We'll speak. Some of the questions you're asking right now, we'll get there, just not today. Today is, are you willing to exchange something with no eternal value for something that will matter in this life and the next. Because we would not call someone wealthy in 1870 sitting around with a stack of Confederate money that they could do nothing with. And in the same way, we would not call somebody wealthy who lays up treasure on this earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves come and steal. And that is the push for how we want to go live this week and beyond. Based on we know this world isn't it. Now, how do you, how do, you do that? You live that on faith. Right? They didn't know the people that had a ton of Confederate money. They didn't know how it was going to go or they would have, nobody would have been caught with nothing. Right? We live laying up treasure in heaven, not on earth, on faith. Here's what I believe. I think faith is one of two things. Right? You're not going to lay up treasure in heaven. And you think, well, does that mean I can't? No, we'll get to all that next week. We're not going to lay up treasure in heaven unless you have faith that it's real and that God's real and he's active and he's relentless and he loves you and all those things. I think faith is one of two things. It's either the most brilliant con job ever come up with. So people like me could just challenge you to give up and sacrifice and do this and do that. Well, how do you know, pastor? How do you know? Well, just have faith, right? So if I don't know how to answer something, I don't know what to tell you, like stick in that marriage, like keep going, like trust God. Like if I don't know what to say, then I'll just say have faith. And it's just the most brilliant. It's like the spiritual Ponzi scheme. You just keep kicking it down. Just have faith and it'll work out right? And you can't prove that it won't because it hasn't happened yet, right? So either faith is like the most brilliant fraud or it is the key to life. It is the magic. If your life is boring, that it is lacking faith. And I believe that faith, and I've seen it in this church, I've seen it in my life, we've seen it in history, we've seen it in scripture, that faith is the key to life. Would you be willing to live for a world to come that you haven't seen yet, but you believe it's coming? Would you be willing to lay up treasure for a future that you haven't seen yet and exchange that for a life where you just live for today, live for the moment, live for yourself?
What are you living for? That's the question we're going to leave you with. Not, not what do you believe in. That's, that's weak. What are you living for? Would you stand with me? I want to pray over you. I believe God's going to do great things in this series and even in this day and this week. Father, I thank you that you're worth it. And God, I, I, I wish sometimes I had the ability. I, it's best that I don't. I wish I had the ability to make somebody believe that you're worth it. But that's so, we don't want that, God. We, we, we want to taste it. I want everyone in this room, everyone online, everybody watching this down the road on whatever medium, YouTube or whatever. I, we, we don't want to, to talk them into it, God. We want you to show up in their life, in their heart, in their mind. We want you to be what only you can be. We want them to taste this treasure. There's something that's so real and so good and so lasting. Even like we sang, even when we're in the valley, it's not like everything's always great. But even on our worst day, you're so good good. You're so present. You're so faithful. We want people to taste this treasure that they would joyfully sell everything they have just to sit and taste and be in your kingdom, to be your child. God, we we have so much going on in 2021. We have so much going on. It's so easy to not even stop and think about what we're living for. God, would you reward any steps, even small steps towards making the exchange to not lay up treasure here, but to live for today and the future and eternity and your kingdom and everything that you're doing among us. And God, I pray that no one would leave here with some sort of shame. God, if there's those that they just know right now, they're not living for you. They're not. God, I pray they would just have peace and confidence and hope that they can that we're, we're a church that wants to help them, that we're in this together. God, that you would just grow our faith. Thank you that it is real. It is the key to life. Help us, give us wisdom. I don't know, God, but, but just put it on minds and hearts right now. What that looks like this week to trust you and to lay up treasure in heaven and not on earth. God, what good would it do for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul. Help that never be us. I just pray your blessing on the series, on our, on our world, our country, on our church. We go in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, church.